Okay, we had pretty good smoke coming out of the eaves and the uh, roof. We have that under control. We're going to check right now. Okay, command's clear. Two separate garages. To that apartment up in the front, give me a secondary. If you believe that communication is the key to success, well then, you've downloaded the right show. Attention all Marion County Fire Units and Stations. Authority of Public Safety Communications. All stations go to day watch. Thanks for downloading the Daywatch Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bannister, and today in the P10 studios, we have a brand new guest, our new Division Chief of Training, Russ Schof. Russ, welcome. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Guys, if you've been around Central Indiana Fire Service for any length of time and you had anything to do with special operations or tech rescue, you know Russ Schof. His name is going to be out there. Either he taught you or he taught the guy that taught you. And that's just, you know, that's the kind of his claim to fame is history, but he's been in the fire service for a long time. He's got a lot of knowledge. We are happy to have him. Russ, again, thanks for being with me. And let's talk a little bit about where you're from, and let's let's get the history of you. Okay. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak. I'm from the west side of Indianapolis. Uh, graduated from Ben Davis High School in 1975. Um, my claim to fame there was it took 12 years. No. <laughs> no, uh, I graduated from Ben Davis High School and, and in 1975. Uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I went into the uh, Air Force Reserves to become a firefighter because I was 17 years old, really didn't have any interest in anything else, and just wanted to be a firefighter. My father and mother uh, were members of Wayne Township. They joined back in 1960, and they joined uh, Station 5 Mickleyville over on Ingomar uh, back in, I think it was like right at 1960. And so pretty much brought up into in a Wayne firehouse. Uh, my parents were both very active uh, in the Wayne Township Fire Department for 40-plus years. So and that's where I, my, I always tell them, you know, just, I'm just good old West Side boy from Wayne Township. Um, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's where a lot of our, uh, some of the best firefighters in central Indiana came out of yeah. this fire department back yeah. in the day. It's one of the oldest. It's one of the infamous or, or famous. It depends on who you're, how you're looking at it. Yeah. But uh, we've had a, a very busy West Side, and it's been a good learning experience for a lot of people that went on to bigger and, and better things. So you uh, you were with us, uh, volunteer from yep. seven. I, I started um, actually, well, I like to say I started in 1960 with my dad. Right. Well, you um, certainly did. I, yeah. I was, uh, my, him, my brother and I were very close to him whenever he'd go to the firehouse or, or do anything. We're usually attached to him. I'm mm-hmm. um, doing that. We were we were known for those guys that the little kids that came into the firehouse and took the boots off the wall <laughs> and uh, walked around with them on and yep, and yep. and uh, guys would come in to make runs and couldn't find their gear because we had it <laughs> hidden because we was around the firehouse. The show so boys are running around with our gear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I actually uh, start uh, got involved, I guess officially, um, with Station Five, uh, Mickleville. As a cadet in 1972, uh, they just started up a program. Uh, a guy by the name of Jerry was the coordinator of it, and there was probably a handful of us uh, that started coming around and, and doing things in the station and washing trucks and 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 learning. I kind of decided probably about the time I was in the third grade or so that the bug hit me as it meant I I really liked 
this fire job. It's fascinating how it does hit you. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like yeah, you just one minute like, you're like, it, yeah, yeah, this is just it. One day I go, I'm going to be a fireman yep. and I've not turned back since. Yeah. When you watch, you know, you see kids where you want to be when you grow up, it's going to be a firefighter. They don't know. They just see the cool flashy red lights and they watch the, you know, the guys on TV or whatever. But until you start doing it and then one day it's like, whoa, I really want to do nothing else but this. Yep. And, it's a great feeling. It's amazing how much it will become your entire personality. It just bam, you're now you're a firefighter. That's what you want to do. So. Yeah, I just uh, I went to my parents in uh, like 1974, and I said, "Hey, um, I think I'm going to graduate midterm, and I'd like to go into the Air Force and, and be a firefighter." And they kind of like, "Whoa, this yeah. is uh, okay. Um, why don't you go into the Air Force Reserve? You're 17. Why don't you go into the reserves and make sure that." The military is what you want to do before you really mess up. And then if you if you like it, you can go active duty. And that's that's what I did. I went into the reserves. I was in the reserves for a few years. I uh, went active duty and, and had a great eight-year tour of, of the Air Force. If you're looking for a candidate for any job in, in this world, if you got somebody that's been that's got prior military, you've got someone that's got discipline, someone that understands getting things done on time, just everything that you would want in, a, in an employee. So we mm-hmm. encourage everybody that's listening. If you're a, if you're an employer and you're looking for an employee, look for those military yep. folks because they're they're the they're the folks you want working for you for sure. So we're kicking off as a volunteer, then uh, helping out. You know, coming off of sealing dad's boots and actually jump, jumping in your own boots. So yep. was yeah. it uh, was it everything you want, thought it would be, or was it not um, quite what you thought uh, it would be? <laughs> Well, because of where my dad was and, and what he was doing, I had the, the abilities to sneak into fire grounds and get a little bit deeper than, mm-hmm. than most 14, 15, 16-year-old kids got to, got to be involved with. And you know, that's kind of you know, what really got me involved in, and, and interested in, in the fire services is seeing that kind of work and doing that kind of work. And I always enjoyed picking up hose and rolling hose and and all the stuff. So when I went into the Air Force, I really wasn't quite mature enough to be in the military part <laughs> of it. <laughs> well, you see, that's focused, what the military does. I focused it, it, it all my attention on the firefighting part, and the right. military part was kind of like, uh, oh, they're serious. Oh, yeah, about you guys this. Are really want me to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, don't you? That's yeah, crazy. yeah, you guys are serious about this. <laughs> uh, okay, but... Uh, it, it it was a good uh, a great experience to get out away from you know my my comfort area uh, on the west side of Indianapolis and and family and everything and get out on my own and had had to do it all by myself. I think people that travel to get away from home get out of the get out of the state at least you're mm-hmm. in they they have a whole different perspective on things and I think you're you experience that you being a firefighter is different all across the world. You obviously spent a lot of time at FDIC. You've been around the world as an instructor. You've been you've been traveling with Indiana Task Force One. You've seen a lot of different things in your career. Mm-hmm. And I think you would agree that not everybody skins the cat the same way. No, and that's what's what's great about it is there's so many different ways of, of doing what we do. And that's also the the various different entertaining discussion points um, <laughs> yeah, that we have sure. in the fire service for about sure. how many different ways we have to do the same job and which way is the best way to right. do it. And that's a lot of fun sometimes for oh, you know, even just man. across the across the floor in a, in a firehouse where I'm a ladder guy or I'm a I'm the engine guy. That's oh, a man. that's that's hours of entertainment listening to those guys yell yeah, at each other. FDIC is fantastic for <laughs> starting that conversation <laughs> yeah. with someone from the East Coast or the West Coast. Right. And, 
and throw a jab in or something yeah. like that and get get the ball rolling on it. Although it's fun to pick on some people, it's also impressive to see the, the pride they take in their way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talk to a guy from New York, you know, which everybody, you know, the gold standard of firefighting for a lot of us is New York City, but then you head out to LA, the gold standard of firefighting is out there too. It's just a different way yeah. of doing it. And you get those two guys, it's a stormfront. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hot and cold. It's, it's, it's just crazy to watch those guys get together. At the end of the day, they're all drinking the same beer and loving that brotherhood, but boy, they do not agree with how things get done. <laughs> <laughs> so 1973, 1974, we started at Wayne Township as a, as a volunteer. Were we doing anything back then besides just fighting fire? Or did we have any, was, the, was the spark of technical rescue starting even back then? No, I, technical rescue wasn't even a thing in the fire service. You know, until the, the early 60s, fire service didn't even do vehicle extrication. The uh, wreckers, tow trucks did extrication and the... Uh, Funeral directors did the ambulance mm-hmm. hauling. Um, so, you know, in the 60s, a lot of that stuff changed, and, and the fire service started developing those areas. You know, I was just, uh, you know, I was that moth that always wanted to get to the fire right. in those early days. And when I went into the to the Air Force, they're not known, for, and they don't really like having their buildings on fire. Right. Um, so right. the, the fire experience, as far as actual firefighting and, and stuff like that, was uh, was somewhat limited, but the ability to get the education was overwhelming. Um, there was always opportunities to get and learn something, whether it's an aircraft or or whatever. Especially the hazmat side of yep. of the of what eventually came to the fire service in the eighties is the hazmat stuff. So uh, it's been pretty neat to be on the front side of some of the specialties like EMS when. You know, it, it, it wasn't that long ago, I don't think, when all you had to do is have an f- advanced first aid card and you could tech in the yeah. back of an ambulance. Yeah. yeah. You were, if, you had an, if you were an EMT, they called you doc. Yeah. <laughs> you were the doctor on the scene. So, yeah. My EMT course was 80 hours, and I thought I was pre-med. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's the joke? I, I didn't spend six weeks in EMT school to be told by a nurse I can't do this. Yeah. And it is, for some people, that's the most intense education they've had since high school. And it's pretty crammed into a short amount of time. And so now these guys that go through EMT class and, and hazmat tech class and, and everything, I sit there like, whoa, man. Yeah. That's uh, that's a commitment. Yeah, know? our recruit class, and I, the same I'm sure at, at Pike Township and at Westfield where you've, you've had experience with, we don't do three-week recruit classes. We do 22, 24, 26-week recruit classes, and we work on – we can take a person that was flipping hamburgers one day and at the end of that time be a, at least mm-hmm. dangerous enough to be a decent firefighter. Yep. So, but we, I mean, they're, they're going to get all their certifications if they don't have it, and then we're going to, you know, they're going to drill, 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 physically and mentally. They're going to be put to the test, but that's what it takes. 1990, 91-ish, when I joined the volunteer fire service, I followed my brother's footsteps, who's younger than me, but I joined because I was like, I, I, sure, let's do something. I had no <laughs> idea. I mean, I, he was loving it. I was like, cool. And like days after I joined, and I'd had zero training. It was like they threw an air pack on me, walked around with an old MSA with an elephant trunk on it, that kind of thing. Caught a fire. It was a two-story balloon construction, and it was a disaster. I mean, this fire was every which direction, and I had no idea what even balloon construction was. But we chased that thing all over the place, and we put that fire out with a lot of effort and a little bit of water because it was a very rural fire department. And I got done with that, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it was like, because like my ears hurt, because I was smiling from one side of my face to the <laughs> other, and I realized I discovered something that I had no idea that I really, really loved. And and he was like, "Oh, dude, you're hooked." And I'm like, "Yep, yep let's do this again. Yep. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." That is a, an incredibly interesting feeling when it finally hits you. That and then it, then 
where a guy like me who was a C student, if that and that, if you talked to my teachers, that was giving me a, a couple extra points to all I wanted to do was go to school, educate, 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 train, 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 train. Let's do, let's go. Whatever class you got, I want it. You know, I want to mm-hmm. be the best at it. And I mean, all of a sudden, I'm like a student, and people are like, "What happened to you?" I was average at best, but as a firefighter, I started to excel in learning and developing and practicing, and I found my stride. You know, when you talk about just wanting to be, you know, just be a firefighter, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just to be a firefighter, being a firefighter is how we support this entire operation. As you start to want to progress and, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to progress and do more, it's out there. Like you just go over to the military. It's everywhere. You just go get it. Yep. It, you know, like you said, uh, no matter what position you're in, in the fire service, it all starts out with being a firefighter. And you look at any position description, fire chief, assistant chief, anywhere, you always see the first things you got to do is be a firefighter. And you always got to be a firefighter. And that's what I still enjoy doing. You know, 48 years later, I'm not maybe as quick or as fast as I used to be. I always tell people, man, you should have seen me 40 years ago. (laughs) I've always said, and I will continue to say, youth is an amazing compensator. No way should you be able to drink a gallon of Jack Daniels one night before and then wake up the next day and still be able to do your job like nothing happened. (laughs) And that only is possible with youth. (laughs) Because that is not possible today. I thought that was a prerequisite (laughs) for a firefighter. It it was. That was one reason why I was very successful in the fire service was I was able to do that. You know, being brave and being tough and all that stuff is kind of what everybody sees us as. But being a professional, yeah. just being the job, doing the job, wanting to learn more and, and caring about why that person does it that way and this person on this coast does it that way. And is there a reason why it's so different, but the outcomes tend to be the same and, and being a student uh, yeah. of the job. That is uh, that is something that separates the the guy that just comes for a paycheck and the person that is here for the career. Right, right. It, I've always been fortunate to have people around me um, that assisted me with staying in that in that stride, in that lane where um, I was always, you know, always focused on the next thing, the next thing, the next level, um, learning more and more and more because of the people that I had around me. I just looked up to, had respect for, and it was just, man, I got, I don't want to let this guy down. Sure. I don't want this guy absolutely to, to, to yeah. think people, anything. People look at you; they they're they're proud of what you're doing, and as you said not letting them down. You. You know, they're yeah. putting you up on a pedestal and, you know, or you feel they are at least, and you want to continue that legacy. Your parents were firefighters. You want to make sure that your name doesn't end mm-hmm. <laughs> when somebody says, here comes Shof. You don't want it to be, oh, no, here they, you know, yeah. you want it to be, oh, good. They're, Shof's here. That's good. Yep. Let's we're get, get some work done now. Yeah, there was always a, a great time back back in the day, uh, back in the, in the 70s, when uh, my dad would be on the fire ground and, and he'd be standing in the front yard and you know, we still rode tailboards and everything sure. then. And uh, to be on the back of the tailboard and, and you know, make the turn and, and look up and see the smoke and, and everything. So you get somewhat excited and then look over in the front yard and see see dad sit standing there with his pipe, you know, smoking his pipe. <laughs> nice. And you know, I was like, Man, I gotta get in there and get this. Yeah, I gotta show I gotta show, I show the, the old, old man. man. Yeah. I gotta show the old man and and a lot of times he just shake his head, go, man, what what are you thinking? <laughs> so I know you've got at least a brother in the fire service. Is, is yes. he is he the only other one in the? No, family? actually, I have two sisters and, and my brother, and we are all in in the fire service. Okay, and great. My mom was actually a certified firefighter. She, her, and a lady by the name of Sherry Moore 
uh, the mother of Ted and Dave Moore. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I recognize uh, that last name. Yeah. You know, it's a small world. Did Terry and uh, Sherry, they went for the fire school? Yep. Uh, Sherry Moore and my mom were best friends, and they went to Firefighter One school. I think then it was called Class One, mm, Firefighter, yep. for, Firefighter First Class. Yep, First Class. And the class, reason yeah. they went through it was because there was nobody to respond to fires on the daytime, during the daytime, because oh, yeah. all the guys were working. So they got involved, and, and then they went through EMT class and and everything. And then uh, my older sister went through EMT class, and she started riding the back of, in the back of the Wayne ambulances. And yeah. it was just kind of a, a progression. Uh, my younger sister was an EMT. She was a member of Wayne. And then my brother and I actually got uh, involved and got hired at Pike at the same time in 1982. 1982, okay. Now you did. So did you do a little time at uh, Wishard Ambulance Service? Yeah, <laughs> I say that like it's criminal activity. Though. Yeah, no, but it, it, Wishard is a rite of passage for a lot of people when oh, it comes man. to EMS. For uh, sure. When I got out of the service, I had a little bit of time. I actually gotten hired by Columbia Airport, Columbia, South Carolina Airport, to be a firefighter there, and and I think I worked there for about two hours. Nice. Yeah, got I, got out, I got out of the Air Force on a Friday and went to work there on a Monday, and I was there for two hours, and I thought. This no, <laughs> I, I don't think this is going to work. It's amazing how fast you can figure that out. Yeah, yeah. and I went in and handed the fire chief uh, all of his uniforms and, and yeah. everything, and uh, he was real pleased. With, I'm sure uh, he was with, with me. And they still uh, sent you their your pension check every year. Yeah, and so went back to uh, where we was li- living at in South South Carolina and called uh, called my mom. And she happened to be working at Wishard Hospital, and she goes, "Well, you know, they're hiring EMTs and and everything." I go, "Wow, well, you know." Uh, I guess we'll give it a try. And yep. I called up uh, Wishart, scheduled an appointment, packed the family up from um, uh, Sumter, South Carolina, and we moved over a weekend, and, and then I went to Wishart and applied. And they said, well, you, for every air base or every state that I was stationed at, I got the state certification for oh, yeah, EMT. Yeah, yeah. And so I had you know four or five different state EMT certifications, uh-huh. but my Indiana one had elapsed. And they didn't have that if you was in the military, you could grandfather in and, and get back. So I had to redo the state test. And, and uh, once I passed the state test, Wishart said, we'll take you. And so I worked about four and a half, five months at Wishart on their BLS truck, district right. truck. Wishart, if you, for those who have not been around, uh, Wishart uh, Hospital, it was the county hospital here in, in Indianapolis. And Quite frankly, if you've ever, if you've, if you've never been in combat, if you've never experienced war, the ER at Wishard, any time, day or night, especially on a Friday night or a Saturday night, resembled being in some type of combat environment. People shot, major traumas, you name it. Everything went to Wishard that needed a surgeon. And if you worked there for any amount of time, even a short amount of time, you got to see some stuff. And sometimes that was great. Because some of the best paramedics I've ever worked with in my life came out of Wishard. And mm-hmm. to this day, they're still amazing paramedics. And some people that have left and have become salesmen or they work for the insurance company started at Wishard and said, nope, this is not for <laughs> me. But yeah. the next step for you then was Pike Township, right? So, right. right. I, I uh, left Wishard and was fortunate enough to get in at Pike Township in 1982. We were actually their first what they called a recruit class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had nine career people prior Prior to that, three per shift, and uh, they were in need, and, and they identified the, the the need to go to a career department because the volunteer staffing was not there. 
So I applied there, took the test, went through everything, and was successful and was able to get on at, at Pike in 1982. My uh, first assignment, because I worked at Wishard, was uh, the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even in 1982, I said, man, why did, I, why did they put me on the ambulance? I don't want to be on the ambulance right. and everything, but I ended up spending about eight years on a, on a pike ambulance because I had such a good time. Fire service today is not just fighting fire and cutting on cars. It's EMS is a huge part of it. Right. And from all aspects, whether you're transporting on an ambulance, you're coming off a fire truck or a squad, if you don't have any real street experience, it's a, it's there's a little detriment there. Even my old butt today, I've worked an accident uh, coming to work, and I took a blood pressure for the first time in probably five years, and I'm happy to report <laughs> I nailed it. When the guys got there with the computer that they use now to do a blood pressure, if I was within a point and a half of my calculation – off of a manual blood pressure oh, cuff. Great. And that is like, I'm so impressed. I'm going to you know, retire today because I, I was still able to take a blood pressure. But I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't had years and years of background doing yeah. that. So Pike Township is now moving forward. They're going into that career yeah, mode. In 1982, we had uh, 20, 20 people hired. They dispersed us amongst the stations. Uh, I was assigned to an ambulance, and it was only two of us at the firehouse. A guy to drive the fire truck and me on the ambulance and if we had an EMS run, he'd jump off the fire truck and, and uh, get on the ambulance with me. And if we had a fire run, I'd jump off the ambulance and jump on the fire truck with him. Yep. Uh, so that's the way it ran for the first year uh, that we was there at Pike. And in 1983, they picked up another 20-plus people and started filling things in. And I chose to stay on the ambulance and it just enjoyed getting out and, and, and making the runs and getting out of the station and and just being involved with, you know, with making emergency runs and, and doing everything. Um, so I stayed on the ambulance. I had a choice to go to an engine. I said, ah, I'll, I'll stay here. Yeah, you're at least doing something. Yeah, and, and everything. And then um, 88, 89, I took a promotional process and was actually passed over the first time. Uh, didn't quite make the cut. And uh, came back and got it on the second wave of, of the promotions. I made lieutenant and was assigned to a, a, an engine and really enjoyed being a company officer. Uh, it's, and it's where I really picked up a lot of maturity about dealing with people and how to handle with people. Yep. Sometimes it was a good experience and sometimes <laughs> not too good. To testify, my friend. Yeah. Yes, I was a young company officer myself, a 2000 and 1999 career, first ever career fire department, 2004 lieutenant. Mm. fast well we were a small department young yep. department and somebody had to do it so yeah, as we were stepping yeah. up i'm like well i guess i'm gonna do it i figured i'd sit on a list for a couple of years get passed over nope number one on the list and you're now a lieutenant and i'm like <laughs> well cool i mean you're right and we think we i think we fight more fires obviously that without ever leaving the fire station i mean there's yeah. so, so much with personalities and so much with which is people's lives outside of the fire department that you're trying to help with maintain manage making sure your engine company is functional so when you show up people don't go uh oh Engine eighty so and so's here. Yeah, you know, yeah. you want you want to be that. Oh, good, they're here. Let's, we're going to get some work done. And if, to have a crew like that or to have a team like that takes work. And it's it is a challenging thing to be the to be the boss. There was a, a lot of uh, like you say trial by fire. And in those early days, you know, you just wanted to be liked. You want to be accepted. You wanted sure. to be you know whatever you know that guy. I wanted to be recognized as you know the go to officer. Sure. And I thought, man, you know. You know, and I was picking up battles for other guys that I work with <laughs> and carrying their, their battle flag, you know, to the administration right. and, and fighting. And, and I realized, you know, 
this is not the way to do this. And I probably take a few lumps first, but you yeah, figure it out. My career, my career is coming to a to a to an end quickly here, fighting everybody else's fights, right? Um, and making statement political statements to fire chiefs that were just totally uncalled for. So I, I learned, uh, you know, through the disciplinary phases of education on how to straighten out and, and become. And like I said earlier, uh, I had always had a group of people around me that always was there to help me out and that pulled me off. To you know, hey, you're out. You're out of your lane, bud. Get back over here. Yeah. Um, straighten out and let's get going. If you're lucky enough to have that, you'll go far. And yeah. a lot of times that really, even subconsciously, is you surrounding yourself with those people. Right. You're not pushing those people away from you. Even people that are truly your buddies, your friends, will tell you when you're wrong. Yeah, I, and, I got and, and that's uh, important. A, a buddy that, that I was in the service with in 1978, we were stationed together in Arizona. And we still talk back and forth and he was one of those leading guys when i got stationed there 18 years old 19 years old yeah i seen the stuff at wayne you know you're you yeah know, you're, you're not going to teach me nothing i'm from wayne township <laughs> here let me show you yeah, that's a, we've had that problem for a few years <laughs> yeah uh let me show you how to do this and, and uh, he, he was patient with me but he was very uh, a motivator mm-hmm. um and, and very just very positive and uh, we still stay in touch. We still talk. He's retired and still lives out in Idaho. But he was a great influence in my earlier days of getting me to kind of settle down and, and focus on the, the correct avenues of the fire service. Yeah, and you're, and you're so lucky to find people like that because sometimes we find people that all just agree with us and we all do the same thing and there's no, there's no counterbalance. There's, yep. there's no you know negative and positive going on. It's just everybody's going one way with their head, you know, on fire with their head cut off. And either it's a fuse that burns too quickly, and you burn yourself out, and you're done because you just you've ran your you've ran your whole career in, mm-hmm. in five years versus thirty, or uh, you just you've done so much that you're just too much of a liability, and you got to go. Yep. And people get together and say, "This, hey, he's a good dude, hell of a fireman, but." he's a liability to the department to the to the community he we've got to do something if he won't straighten up and we've tried it he's got to go yep in those early days i usually wore uh shoes with holes in them the where i shot myself in both feet and (laughs) yeah and uh, a good message i'm just presented it wrong i've always been a more flies with honey kind of person when it comes to like discipline and trying to get folks to do what i want them to do or what i need them to do but every now and again i would pick up the sword and be like oh i don't like this i'm going to tell and then i just completely hang myself out and then as i'm speaking i can see the i can see that i didn't have all the facts and i'm like oh this is going nowhere fast and i'm like oh how can I back out of this gracefully yeah. and, and say, sir, and walk away and, and maybe still be yeah. a lieutenant or whatever? Yeah. I always had uh, that dysfunctional switch between my brain and my <laughs> mouth that wouldn't shut off. I'm, I'm filterless every now and again yeah. myself. And, it, and it's, uh, it's definitely something that time does. If you're lucky to stay in the job, time yeah. will correct that humility. I know a lot of folks that they get pinned and they're, they swear to you know to, to uphold all the constitution and yada on and on and they swear they're and they then they think they're God's gift to everything. You are exactly one run away from being the most humble person in this fire department. <laughs> you have no idea how much this could change right now for you because yeah. you've never had a conflict. You've never ran into something that's caused you any problems. Your your confidence is is basically doing the old traditional writing that check your body can't cash kind yeah. of thing. And they do. They run out and they go the wrong way and the fire's that way or something weird and somebody gets hurt. Or we lose property we shouldn't have lost, and now they're trying to figure out 
you know what the number for that truck driving truck driving company is because they're like oh this is embarrassing i yeah. i told everybody that i was the best and i'm i'm not yeah. And, yeah and unfortunately it's not even that you're not the best it's just you're human yeah but you let everybody believe that you made you're infallible and we know that is the next run i mean confidence breeds arrogance a lot of folks are really arrogant because they're really confident with what they do uh, you a lot of people have walked around eating crow for statements they've made or, or ways they presented themselves to people and, and then life caught up to them. I've had many of those meals. <laughs> <laughs> so Pike Township, you get promoted. You're, you're like us on the west side of Indianapolis. There's a lot of things just in the area that create better than single room occupancy obstacles, right? There's a lot more going on. There's a lot of industrial complexes, lots of industrial parks. There's ways to get stuck in places that are tight. There's ways to fall into holes that are deep. There's ways to get caught in something that'll make you turn green. And the fire department's going to be called when that happens. So yeah. someone's got to do it. So how do we how do we get our department up to speed yeah. to start and handling was, uh, that? That so. was a neat thing about Pike Township in the 80s. Chuck Berry, who was the chief, Tim Falk and Rick Pullman, uh, who were the assistants, uh, were visionaries. And, and they seen you know what there was in, in the Pike Township district. There was a, at, at the time, there was a place called Rock Island, which was a, a gasoline refinery there on 86th Street. We had high-rises in the pyramids, oh, yeah. and we had Park 100, which was becoming one of the nation's largest big-box warehouse-like uh, manufacturings in the, in the country. And there was us with our you know, four stations and 20-some-odd guys on duty uh, that had to mitigate those, those events in. Rock Island had their events, you know, their hazmat events, and that's, you know, kind of the first area outside of just structural firefighting, EMS, um, vehicle extrication that I kind of grew into an interest because the station that I was stationed with was right there on 86th Street, just blocks away from the refinery, and you really didn't have enough time to hide or to think too much about what you're going to do when you got there. You barely got your gear Uh, on and you're there. And we were there. We had some some good events, and and I, you know I got very comfortable working in the hazardous materials world and working around those type of of things. Fortunately for me, Pike Township sent me to a lot of schools mm-hmm. uh, for hazmat and refinery firefighting and use of foam. And my military experience with uh, with use, working with flammable liquids all played right into it. So. I became very comfortable working in those those events, and then uh, you know we started talking about high rises and 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 everything. So you know the fire service developed into a hazmat response team back in in the eighties, and you know, the EMS was there. It was fire and EMS, and then we picked up hazmat, and then in the uh, in the nineties, early nineties, this thing called specialized rescue. Um, started coming across. There was more to emergency events than fires and crash cars and green smoke. Um, There's confined space, the trenches and everything, stuff like that. And the fire service was the answer to respond and and to take care of those things. That's, you know, that's how we got into hazmat. That's how we got into EMS was who's going to take care of this? We're really good problem solvers. Yep. Uh, if the cops don't want to do it, I guess we'll have to make the firemen do it. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. So that's where uh, my interest in the specialized technical rescues really started. And Pike Township was in the forefront of doing it because we had we were the fastest developing community in the state of Indiana back in the in the late '80s. 
Uh, so we had a lot of infrastructure going in. We had trenches and, and confined spaces at the refinery and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and everything. So Pike really jumped on board quickly in that and was a forefront of development of the technical rescue arena. And I was fortunate enough to be at the right place at the right time and got on that train and, and enjoyed it. That is some of the most difficult to manage or maintain competencies in the fire service. The 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 BERT certifications. The the, oh, the yeah. that is that is a full time year round. You just cannot lay back and go, well, you know, I can tie a knot, so I I'm good with ropes. I, I can you know, I understand how how shoring works, so I'm good with trenching. There is just so much always evolving, always changing. Just being aware that it exists is enough that for some departments to say, nope, we're out. But just the other day, I was at uh, Station 81 and down in the uh, Mars Hill area, and a guy walked up with a big orange coat on, and he was from Wilhelm, and he was talking to us because his little OSHA checklist said, we're doing a trench job over here at Rolls-Royce, and it says, contact local fire department. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm glad you came to us. And because he thought, like everybody else thinks, fire department's right down the street. We had an entire trench team sitting right there at the yep. fire station. They're going to show up throw wood down and big big shoring devices and pull my guy right out. And I was like, well, I'm glad you came by. We do have trench rescue capabilities, but it's not here. Yeah. We would be your primary responder. We utilize the Annapolis Fire Department for their tech rescue team because we don't want to duplicate that effort. They have a great one. We'll use theirs. They're coming from a little further away. I was trying to explain it to him. He's like, okay, well, it still checks my box. I'm like, well, I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. when this engine shows up, it's going to be three or four, maybe five firefighters showing up in an ambulance, and nobody's dropping shoring or nobody's putting any boxes in the ground. Or I said, that team's coming from a little ways away. So if you think you're going to need someone to be right there at the time, I got a phone number for you. I know a company that can do that. <laughs> uh, but we don't we do not do that right at this fire station. And most of the people I come across in the industrial world, as I teach hazmat out there, think you call 911 the first thing that shows up is exactly what you asked yep. for and that's just not the case because we 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 can't all do everything but you guys at pike for a while were kind of doing everything and us with a small group of people we uh out of the headquarters station then it was station 11 then it became the 111 i think now it's referred to as 61s mm-hmm. There was a squad, a ladder, an engine, an ambulance and a battalion all ran out of headquarters so that was, you know, the the obvious location. That was the only multiple multiple unit house, um, other than engine and an ambulance or an engine and a tanker um, that that Pike had. So we accepted, and and for whatever reasons, all three shifts, everybody at that house just kind of accepted that, and yeah, we'll take care of it and we'll do it. And like I said, the, the organization itself. Supplied us with the with the training and the equipment and, and uh, mission critical right there. Yeah, you don't have support from the top, none of it matters really. There's there's a period of time that I think about every quarter there's a couple of years there, but every three months I was gone someplace mm-hmm. to take a training class somewhere, and that's uh, and that was phenomenal. And that's that yeah. If if it, without that. What do you do? I mean, you, you know, it's one thing to be, we're inventive, right? We'll come up with ways to, you know, we'll send, guys will sit in their garage and build a tool if that's what it takes to make it work. But reinventing the wheel is not really what we need to do. It's out there. We, mm-hmm. we just talked about or all around this country, around the world. There's a trick for every trade and there's a tool for every toolbox. But, you know, can you afford to send someone once a quarter to do that? Who's the guy can you send out that can come back and teach us how to do it? Do we really need X amount of equipment or can we do it with this amount? Of, all that is very, very important information. If your administration is not on board with it, 
what happens a lot of times is it just gets it goes for a minute and then it gets shelved. So now you got a bunch of ropes laying around sitting on a shelf somewhere that nobody does anything with. But for the longest time, you guys notoriously, at least the the, the stories that come out to the other fire departments is Pike Township trains Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Christmas, Easter. There's no time to stop training. There's there was no day off. Yeah, and, and we enjoyed it. We made it fun. Yeah, as long as you're yeah, if you're enjoying it, and that's awesome. We made it challenging. You know, if one guy, you know, would, you know, come in and say, "Hey, well, you know, we did this vehicle extrication out here, and we did this, 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 and this," you sit there and go, "Well, we can do one better." Right. And you know, it got to a point where, at one point in time, uh, we had some cars there at the training facility at Pike. We got a bunch of guys together, and we got ropes and went out to the training tower, hooked up a rope system, pushed a wrecked car over to the side of the wall, and we was going to raise that car up onto the side of the wall <laughs> and do an extrication like you see in the movies where the car's teetering yeah. on the parking garage uh, thing. Yeah. That's what our plan was. We were going to put a car inside of the second floor <laughs> and uh, do an extrication like that. And, uh, and they came out and said, uh, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think it would be good. I don't think it would be good for you guys. Right. But you know what, though? Downtown parking garage in Indianapolis, once every couple, three years, a car gets a reverse yeah. or a accelerator stuck and winds up sticking out, hanging over the edge or, or falls completely down to the ground and from an from a elevated plat position. Mm-hmm. Every over every overflying interstate we have around here, especially out on the east side, those get cars wrecked and flipped and hang over the side of them. Your your mind's in the right place. Yeah, we we were uh, we were cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> it's one thing to cut a car on all four wheels, but let's roll it on its side. Now let's put yeah. it on its top. Now let's tunnel in from the from the trunk. There's a hundred ways to do it, but if you don't practice doing it, right. the day it happens for real, you're like, oh, I wish we did that. That was just how yeah. competitive each yeah, shift was. And you, know, Pike and you don't had, want that to great. We had honor guard teams that competed. We had mm-hmm. extrication teams that competed. We had running teams that competed in in uh, running events. We had softball teams. I mean, it, we were involved and very competitive, and, and we took that stuff very serious. But at the same time, we were having a great time. So Pike Township is uh, how long before we retire out of Pike? Um, I, I left Pike in 2013. I basically served at all the stations, was in all the positions, um, held all the ranks, and then retired as the operations chief. In 2013, I was operations chief at Pike for, for seven years. And uh, it was a good experience. There were some tough times mm-hmm. um, because of you know, the, the consolidation question was oh, always sure. flying around. And, yep. and, you know, just there was just some very tough times in Pike at, at that time frame as far as uh, those things went. So I left. I got a phone call from... Westfield, and, and uh, it was like February of 2013. I got a phone call from the fire chief at Westfield, and, and uh, yeah, he general small, small talk, and, and he goes, well, what I'm calling you for is to, to see if you'd be interested in being a training chief here at Westfield. I'm looking for bring somebody in with some experience and, and everything. I wasn't having the best day at, at Pike that day. And my reply to him was, these guys deserve this attitude. I'm going to leave the office, go back into the companies, and be a disgruntled employee for a while. (laughs) And he goes, well, Chief, it doesn't sound like you're having a good day. I'll call you back. Right, yeah. And so he called, fortunately, uh, he called me back uh, a day or two later, and we had a serious conversation. I said, well, you got to give me some time because – I'm Pike Township, born, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You know, I was very loyal and very dedicated to, to Pike Township. But I talked to my wife, and we'd gone through some tragedies, you know, on our, on our, in our personal lives at the same time frame. One of the things 
to identify what the norm was going to be. Is you know, I said, you know, I really like training. I love doing training. If I could find a young small department and was named a training chief, I think I'd go to it. And it wasn't just a couple months later that I got the phone call from Westfield. So I him hauled around about thinking about the pros and you know making the list, doing all sure. the things that you're supposed to do to to make a decision and. And my wife one day just asked me, so what's, what's the question? You know, what's holding you up on, on, on pulling the trigger on this? I go, man, yeah, I, yeah, I just don't know. She goes, well, remember this conversation we had just a couple months ago? This is what you said. And once she said that, it, it made all the sense in the world. So um, I left Pike and two, in July of 2013. I went to Westfield as her training chief. And? Made a big difference up there. It was a great experience. I spent 10 years at Westfield, four and a half as the training chief and five and a half as uh, the operations chief. Uh, those guys, we worked well together. It was very. I felt like we were very successful together. They had a tolerance of some of my ideas and concepts and directions I wanted to go. And they had some tolerance with that stuff. And, and uh, we worked hard at it. And they were a good department before I got there. And they're a great yeah. department today. They're a yes, very they aggressive organization, uh, very hungry um, to continue that growth and, and development. Um, and they're they're a good bunch of guys. They helped me mature and and uh, and and become more of a a senior chief officer or a senior person in a fire service um, that didn't have to go out and and prove myself on the back of the truck or at the tip of a hose line or or anything that you know I, I could do it in the administrative level, the planning level, concept level. There are folks that, and of course, never, usually that comes out of the folks that have never stepped foot in the office. But if you don't have a good administration or people that have, one, the street knowledge, you know, they know what it was like to be on the street and what it was like to struggle because they weren't getting support. And now you're in a position where you can support those good firefighters that are trying to make things happen or those good EMS crews that are trying to make things happen. There's a time when all that experience needs to come to the top. And then you need to be able to use that to make a whole other group of people more successful than even you were. And Westfield's kind of in that situation you were at Pike. They're growing hand over fist up there, yeah. right? I mean, they're so they're constantly expanding and getting bigger and bigger. They're always, probably, I'm sure, they're looking at new buildings and new stations and that, that whole area, that whole north side of the mm-hmm. county area is, is just under fire for for expansion. Oh yeah. And when I got hired there in 2013, 32 was a dividing line. South of 32 was single family apartment. North of 32 was still fairly rural farmland. We had a lot of big big farms and, and stuff up there. And if you used to go up there today, it is just built up. Every time it rains, there's a new subdivision yeah. that pops up up there. Yeah. Uh, and the growth is, is, is remarkable. And, you know, in the fire service, we're always behind the curve of growth and, and development. So we always have to make do, and you always – you know, like I said, you just got to make do with what you got, get paid what you get paid, yeah. suck it up and, and get the job done. And, and those guys were are great about that. You know, that's just the way the fire service is. Um, that's what makes firemen a little different than, than anybody else. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not a doubt about it. We'll make it happen. Now, then we may complain about it after <laughs> we're done. 
may complain about it? <laughs> we may complain about it after we're done. But, man, when, when it comes time to, to make things happen, yeah. it, it, we'll make it happen. Uh, I've, I've said it every other podcast. I've, I've said that. Is that. The one thing about us, to our own detriment, is no matter what you throw at us, we're going to fix it. Yep. Sometimes people look at that and go, well, you fixed it. Why do you need – you don't need this new toy. You mm-hmm. did it. Well, we did it because we had to do it, and we made it work because we're creative and we're good at it. That toy you're talking, you're calling a toy, could have done that half the time yep. and been a hundred times safer. Yeah, I was gonna say, and the risks that we took, yeah, getting yeah, that, it just worked. Yeah. <laughs> but we, and because nobody got hurt, everybody's yep. like thumbs up. But because we are folks that never say no, there's no obstacle that we go, well, we can't fix that. I guess we're not going to be able to fix it. You know, we just, we'll be there for three days, but we'll get it fixed. Yeah, you know, yeah. no matter how running our heads into a concrete wall is pretty common, but eventually it breaks uh, and we pour through the wall and we get what we got to get done. So, and that's, that's fire service in a nutshell. Uh, you cannot give us a problem we won't solve. Now I come up here to the office, there's problems that are very challenging to solve. And it's not as easy as ramming your head through that wall because there's way out of our control yeah, rules and laws uh, and things that are in our way that make, make it harder to, to budget, make it harder to plan. And the folks that haven't experienced it up here just say, oh, you've lost touch. You're just desensitized in the office and you, know, you haven't woke up to an alarm bell at midnight in a long time. Once again, I had that group of people. Yeah. Um, and it, it always evolved different people and everything, but I always had a group of people that always kept me in check. Yeah, you're not who you think you are. Yeah. You're not doing what you think you're doing. Right. Sit down and be quiet. And fortunately, I had at Pike an administration that tolerated it for the biggest part. Um, I was one of those mouths that just, you know, administration couldn't do nothing right. They couldn't pay me enough. They couldn't get enough stuff right. They couldn't give me a new fire truck quick enough. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't understand what it took to, to be a fireman on the street. And then when I became yep. one of them, I had a guy, you know, in a discussion uh, that was fairly, you know, discipline level was high and flu- body fluids were out there <laughs> and, and everything. But, uh, you know, he, he really kind of, trip my trigger when it says you forgot where you came from i said whoa, oh, whoa. Here we go. Yep. man you crossed the line now and no i haven't <laughs> and so it was short-lived the discussion you know came to a short immediate stop and and everything but that was one of the things that i i, I think i've i never forgot where i came from even at westfield they i was for, fortunate enough why is that westfield that they allowed me to ride the trucks when staffing was short. Oh, wow. And they, and they tolerated me showing up on the fire ground <laughs> well, and, and doing things. Yeah. And, and allowed me to, to participate in hands-on training and stuff. They were, you know, very nice about that. But, you know, in the office, I'd sit and make these policies or talk about doing this and doing that. And then, you know, they'd come up and say, hey, Chief, we're short on, on the ladder. Could you cover for a couple of hours? Oh, heck yeah, man. I'd scamper out and get my gear and throw it in the back of the, back of the ladder and, they get banged out on a, on a job, and I was like, what are these guys doing? We're following your policies, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah. 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 For a read right here. And uh, you know, I was like, oh, man, I better get my act together. You know, but you got a chance to see it. I mean, But, uh, you know, but uh, once again, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you can't forget where you came from. You can't forget the value that that, that street 
brought to you in the education mm-hmm. that street stuff gives you, uh, even in administration. You know, people get promoted into the administration, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times that's where their education stops. You know, that's where their experience stops because they're so busy oh my goodness. fighting the administrative fires and doing the day-to-day yeah. stuff that you lose track of of the job and, and the importance of, of development. And not just firefighting development. I'm just talking about, you know, the development of in business savvy or the development of, of how best operations to best ways to do spreadsheets or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, strategic planning there that's that's a mystery in itself, you know, to develop a five year plan out of nowhere. Um, and, and how you do things like that. So one of the things I try to focus on is make sure that people around me in the administration stay focused and go out and get that information. You know, stay focused, stay developed, you know, keep developing yourself. I've been, like I said, fortunate to be able to keep going to fire schools and, and participate in trainings and stuff like that. So I feel like I've, I've kept, you know, both feet on the ground and, and, and focused. Two years ago, two, a little over two years ago now, I was, first time in my career, in my fire department career, I was, I've been in an office environment. I've been up here injured. I've been off, you know, light duty stuff, but never up here, you know, assigned a position. And my position has zero to do with with making big decisions. Nobody kicks my door down and says, "Eric, we got a problem here. You know, uh, we got we need you to fix this." Uh, and I'm important. I think what I do is important for the fire department. But I'm not. I'm not making those life changing decisions. But I hear it all day long, and I'll walk up and down the hallway t- talking to the officers that are running the big part, the, the executive branch of our department. I feel bad when I'm out in the street and somebody says, that so-and-so doesn't know what they're – I'm like, man, I wish I, I wish I, you could see through my eyes what I'm seeing. Yeah. The look on their face, how concerned they are that they aren't getting it all done. They yeah. want to get it done because they want you to have – the best equipment. They want you to have the best training. They want you to have the best, you know, place to live. And it it is every single day something is added to that list. It never ever stops. Mm-hmm. And every time something changes, it reprioritizes. And what was a big priority a week ago is now the bottom of the barrel because something really, really more important came in. And that person that was focused on that high thing at one time is now now their things at the bottom of the barrel. They start to get the well, they don't they don't, they're not following through. They're not doing, and it's like, I can't get you guys to understand. It is not intentional. But I mean, I look at my, you know, Courtney Rice over here, Chief Rice, that guy is working at home. He's working on the weekends. He's working on vacations, trying to get things done just to be even, mm-hmm. you know, and all these guys in this row are, are doing, are, they're working their tails off. I just wish people really understood that as it seems to be bad, it would be so much worse without the effort these folks are putting into it. Yeah, I had a, a, a chief one time tell me, uh, and it's a statement I use at times. Uh, I was doing a, an officer class years ago, and uh, one of the students in the class was being somewhat destructive to the program. Yeah, it was supposed to be you know, not necessarily unicorn and rainbows and, and, sure. and type of class, but it was you know, how to work with people and, and be good officers or this, you know, and I had them all written down on the board, you know, good officer does this, 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 this. And, and this guy was just beating my can. And I finally ended up just saying, dude, I've done your job. Have you done mine? Do you know what it is to be over on this side of the issues and, and on this side of the thing? Well, it can't be that tough, you know. Yeah, sure can. So I said, you're speaking out of ignorance. Yeah. Um, and and for that, we'll we'll forgive you, 
Now, just be quiet and let me finish my daggone program. You know, there's there's a lot of truth to that, and I was as guilty as anybody in oh, my earlier days. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I am. Arguing, you know, I, I remember arguing with the fire chief, which man, I'm very fortunate he had patience and just didn't fire me <laughs> because He's I a fire chief for a reason. He knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was I was telling him he wasn't compassionate to the needs of the guys, and he wasn't supporting us in the field, and we were out there fighting fire and risking our lives and and yeah. all this stuff, and it got pretty uh, pretty crazy for a little bit. And like I said, fortunately, he maintained. And we talked it out. You know, there was no resolution. Like, you're right, Russ. I, I've not been compassionate. <laughs> that never that, ne- that never was a resolution. It never occurred to me to be compassionate to these people. Yeah. Uh, and he just, he just looked at me, and that's when he said, man, you've not done my job. You don't know what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And the stuff that I put out there, there's a lot of times I don't even like it. Mm-hmm. But it's the best... It's the best option I got. And that's where that trust between you and me is supposed to happen. Um, You're supposed to have the ability to trust me that I'm doing the very best that I can for you. And I'm supposed to trust you that you're out there doing the very best for the community on your runs and everything. He goes, somehow or another, we're off. And that trust is not built. And we need to work on that. And I thought, it's probably a good time for me to be quiet and not argue anymore. And, 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 but that sunk in, it was like, that's gold there. The reality of it is, until you've walked in someone else's shoes and seen it from that perspective, it's very difficult to have an honest opinion of what's going on. But we live in the world of rumors. We live in the world of, of, uh, of speculation. You know, some guy has a, has a company cutting grass and he has his own company and he he's managed that successfully. That person believes, well, I, I too can manage a multi-million dollar fire department. I don't know what you guys, what the problem is. This isn't hard. True that their business is successful doesn't necessarily translate to everything that has to happen and in a particular order that it takes to run a fire department. Right. And you want to be you know, the guy that everybody puts up on their shoulders and walks around and praises, you know, but mm-hmm. doing your job effectively sometimes is the guy, it's, it's, it's a lonely place to be. Yeah. It's a, t- a special kind of person to accept that and continue to move forward to try to better the fire department for the community. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough place to be in, you know, to be the boss. And sometimes people put you in a position that you have to be that boss. Uh, I've made mistakes before in my younger days, and you know the cost of of going back and apologizing to my crews, uh, man, that had a bad taste in it. Mm-hmm. But it was what I had to do because I I messed up, ran you know my mouth, uh, you know I allowed a, a conversation to occur, opposed that conversation, and not only did I oppose it, I went off the reservation with it, and. I was a shift commander. You know, my brains tell me this is not how shift commanders talk, and especially to his crews and in front of his crews and right. everything. I just couldn't shut it off. But you couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I finally got tired. I think my jaw muscles got tired, and I just left the room. And I marched straight over to the uh, operations chief, sat down. I go, you got a minute? And he goes, yeah, what do you need? I go, well, let me just tell you what I just did. I'm guilty. I said it. I did it. I'll go back to my office. I'll be awaiting the discipline. If you want me to write it up, I'll write it up too. Uh, but, man, I was wrong. This is bad. This is really bad. And he goes, oh, it's probably not that bad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And about two minutes later, it was a, 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 diff- a discussion between me and a union representative. Uh-huh. 
Um, and a few minutes later, the union representative standing <laughs> at the door, going, you know, yep. and he's got his his lip out, and he's he's ready to to commence on kicking butt. And I just kind of looked at him and like, okay, and walked by him. And he come in and goes, "We got to talk." And he he looked at me and says, "We've already talked." <laughs> and he goes, "Tell me your side of it." So the guy told him, he goes, "Yep, that's what that's what Chief Show said. That's what he said. He said, yep." What are we going to do about it? And so the, the discipline for that was I had to go out and apologize to the crews. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, and it was the right thing to do. I was not professional. If anybody else would have came into the station on my shift and talked that way around my crews, they wouldn't have walked out. And it would have been, you know, we'd, we'd been on the ground. And why I did it, don't know, frustration. I'll give you 100 reasons. Or excuses, but I had to go back out and apologize to the crews and and apologize to to that individual. And so I, I thought about it for a while, and I thought, man, I don't know if I'd just rather take the twenty four. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just take the twenty four day off this. versus uh, this would be yeah. an easier route. But I went back and, and pulled the the crews in and, and basically. Uh, you know, I saw, thought about it for a while, and I, you know, I, I threw some names out, you know, and at the time, it was a different generation. I said, you guys know who John Kennedy is, you know, JFK? And they go, yeah. I said, you guys know who Ronald Reagan? You guys know Ronald Reagan, right? I go, yeah. And I go, uh, you guys know Dwight Eisenhower? You guys heard of him? Yeah. I said, okay, well, you guys know Adolf Hitler? Yeah. I said, you guys know Genghis Khan? You know who he was? Yeah, I go, how about Joseph Stalin? You guys know who, who he was in history? And they go, yeah. And I said, you know what all six of them have in common? And they all kind of looked at me like, no. And these guys are already kind of looking at me mm-hmm. because of the event. Yeah. Going, This old man's crazy. Uh, and I said, well, let me tell you what they all had in common. They were all great leaders. They led millions of people in combat and in direction and stuff. All six of them were great leaders. Three of them are identified as tyrants. Three of them are identified as great leaders. I don't want to be recognized as a tyrant, so please accept my apology. I was wrong. I shouldn't have acted that way. Let's put this behind us and let's go on down the road. And it was had a bad taste. There was a lot of cat's butts that I had to lick to get that <laughs> taste out of my mouth, but... Uh, um, but it was it was a very humbling experience. But but that's that's you know the way I feel about it. Uh, you know I don't want to be a tyrant. I will be that boss. That if you put me in that position to be the boss, I don't have any problems with pulling that trigger. Uh, I prefer not to, and I'll do everything I can to avoid to get to that point. But once it's pulled, it's <laughs> well. When you when you recognize it as the battalion chief, you could have said nothing. Yeah. And said, I'm the damn battalion chief. This is my shift. This is why I mean, I don't care what you got to say about this. Now, next time you won't talk that way. Yeah. But then you're, you're leaning more towards the tyrant side than you're leading towards the leader side. Yeah. And you recognize that, which is which is kudos to you because a lot of guys don't. So you you were at a pike and they're at uh, Westfield and you've done a few things for Westfield. And then all of a sudden we get the phone call that we're getting the legend. Legend's coming here to Wayne. <laughs> and I was like, the legend? you got to be kidding me. And then it, it was one of those deals where, again, we it, there wasn't a lot of fanfare. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, we're, we're bringing Russ Schofield in as our, as our division chief of training. And, and I mean, everybody's like, 
cool. You know, we wanted Russ to be here in 1999. You know, we don't know what, what happened. He decided to hang well, you know, I, I applied in 1999, and they get picked up in the draft. <laughs> I, it hurt my feelings. Well, so I think I you, was, were, you were under contract. We couldn't, we couldn't pay for yeah, it. Yeah, we couldn't Anhe- buy out. Uh, Anheuser-Busch had me under contract, <laughs> and, and uh, you guys couldn't meet the, the payoff on that. But no. Um, we're excited. I mean, legitimately well, excited I'm, that you're here. Uh, Scott Baker was Scott Baker was doing a great job as, as the division chief uh, of training, and he I'm wanted here, to go on yeah. and do other things. I'm not here to fix anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the training staff in the past at, at Wayne Township has done a phenomenal job. Um, these guys um, are, are great firefighters. They do their job and they do it. If we could wear cowboy hats and, and uh, yeah. you know, Stetsons and, uh, and uh, d- uh, dusters, is that what the yeah, name sure. of the coats? That's what we would be wearing here at Wayne. I'm very proud to be, I always say, be back at Wayne. Yeah, um, well, you, you I had are. no reason to leave Westfield. Those guys treated me fantastic uh, i had and and for whatever reason uh, when i heard that the training chief position was open at wayne township it just struck me as like that may be some something to it may be something um and i thought about it for a day or two and i, I said something to my wife and she goes it's your call i'll support you um make the move if that's what you want to do and i thought Man, I got a long time in it in this career, and should I just stay where I'm at, or you know, and just filter out, or or, or what? But uh, for whatever reason, I called Chief Stewart up and asked him some questions about it, and and everything, and uh, and he said, well, you know, this is the application process, and this is how it's going to go, and this is how it's going to be, and I said, well, I, you know, I don't want no favoritism, I don't want you know, right, anything, straight up. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And he says, well, that's how we operate around here. Yeah, and, despite popular opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although you're a known commodity and a friend of a lot of people, uh, yeah, you you applied but, uh, and went through the process like anybody else. And, but and you, uh, I'm excited about being here. Uh, I, like I said, I've had a very fortunate 48 years as a career firefighter. I've been put in places and been able to do things that I think are very unique and, and different. And the fire service and the ability to look forward and be a part of that planning, looking out and, and, and achieving things, and been given those responsibilities. They've not always worked out well. There's a lot of a lot of uh, what you could call failures in, in the 48 years as, as a firefighter. But um, one of uh, my beliefs is, and it's, I got the saying on the wall in my office, is uh, Theodore Roosevelt had the man in the arena uh, speech that he did back in 1910. And it's basically, you know, the critic getting the, the, the person that needs to be listened to. It's the person that's been in, in the arena, the person with the blood, the sweat, the tears, the person that has failed to accomplish what they wanted to is the one that counts. And when I read that, it was like, I, man, this is this is my belief here. This is my motto. This is my go-to thing. And I just soon get in and, and be with people um, that work hard and try hard and want to try different things and push the envelope, um, be aggressive and, and do those things. And if they fall short a little bit or it didn't work out, man, what a what an educational experience did we just have? Well, it's impossible to fail if you didn't try. Right, failure doesn't exist on its own. It exists out of out of attempt. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't be flying if Orville and Wilbur Wright gave up. You know, when the first time the first plane crashed. Yeah. It is impossible to go through life without having failure. And this job is especially uh, that way. Sometimes 
it is of no fault of your own. It still rests on your shoulders as the failure. How you handle it and how you move forward speaks a lot of your character, and and, right. and that that is a you know that you're only around for 48 years because you've been able to overcome those those situations and and grow from those situations. Otherwise, you you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me. I still love the job. I yeah. I if I get depressed thinking that uh, I can't put the boots on it, you can't get geared up as quick. I don't last with an SCBA as long. I don't work as well as I used to work. And I hurt awful bad after I do it. <laughs> but man, I still love it. I still love it. And I still love being around the people that are involved in it, whether we agree or disagree. I enjoy being around them because we have that common thread that we're here for the community. We're going to do whatever it's going to take to make things right. Now, we have difference of opinions on how to get there and what success looks like. That's why we live in America. We have and that ability. At the end of the day, we're going to help the community at all costs, and, and we're going to get that job done because that's oh, what yeah. we do. There's yeah, no the, no puzzle we can't the, solve. So. The, the, the community of, of Wayne Township has a fantastic fire and EMS service. Um, you know, it's very dedicated, very down-to-earth working people. And we care about them for sure. Chief, thank you so very much. Uh, I want to say I want to say this is just an introduction to you. We'll have you back. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's more things we'll talk about as far as tra- when training starts to develop. Well, you know, I always I've been going out to the stations and talking to the trying to meet the crews and put names and faces. And, sure. and, and you know, one of the things I try to do is seek to under you know Stephen Covey a statement. You know, seek to understand, then be understood. Like I said there was nothing broke at Wayne Township training when I got here. And my biggest fear is breaking something here. <laughs> but one of the things I've been taking some time and, and, and trying to just understand what is the way that we do things and, and the way we do things. But the culture of Wayne Township has is, is been the same since the 70s. Hard work, get in, get it done, and get out. Stay on top of your game and pride. And it's still here at Wayne Township. We can have our internal struggles, and we can yep. think what we think about each other. Yep. But at the end of the day, the culture of Wayne Township is still the same, and it's still hard-nosed, down, down, you know, in the uh, dirt. street level, yeah, yep. firefighting, and, and go in and get it uh, type mentality. And I'm very proud to be here. Uh, it's an honor to be here, actually, because of, of the people that are here. Like I said, uh, Westfield treated me well. I was enjoying life up there don't know what flipped or what switched um i miss i missed hanging out with those guys up there and, and doing the things up there but man i sure am enjoying doing what i'm doing here yeah you're back home with on, the people and the people that i'm doing with back home on the west side yeah. we're happy I, you're I, back we got and you know yeah, i don't want to carry this on too much longer but i i, I we got such a, a great organization that and we got s- some really great things going on and and additional things that you know, we if you had hours i could sit and fill you in with hours of the things that uh, within the 60 days that i've been here that i've been you know fortunate enough to work with chief stewart and, and captain lewis and and owens and stuff and and development of foundations of things that systems that uh, we're going to try to put in place to to reach out to to the people uh you know to keep people proficient and, and it and and everything because we're losing the greatest generation of Wayne Township, the generation of 
1999. <laughs> yeah, those guys were filtering out. We're, ah, losing, yes, we're, we're well, losing the great generation. Uh, there are others who argue that point, but uh, yeah. we're we're we're, uh, we're happy to make a mark. So yeah, yeah, but it's time. You know, it's time for those guys to go. But yeah, and it's time for the next group yes, to come up and, yes, and do is. their things. And and my biggest goal is to give them those avenues, give them those abilities, and I want people to have as blissful and joyful careers I've had for 48 years. And I want them to leave on their terms. Yeah, well, that's that's my that's my thing in a nutshell. We've got. I said, don't let this. This isn't the last time we want you on the show. We, we, <laughs> as as those things start to develop, we'll bring you back in and we'll talk about them. And and uh, you know, the future is bright for Wayne Township. And, yeah, and we well, appreciate I've, you being with us. Appreciate it. And, and like I tell those guys, just had our first training meeting this morning I took, mm-hmm. as long as you guys keep sitting here i'll just keep talking so one of us is going to have to leave <laughs> <laughs> chief thanks for coming all right thank you thank you so very much for downloading the day watch podcast it is our sincere hope that this podcast increases communication and develops greater transparency between the administration and the employees if you're not a member of wayne township fire department but have a suggestion for our show hit the contact button at waynefire.org 